Welcome to a brand new episode of Tile Light Talk. This is Casey. And this is Chris. And we have a couple guests with us because this is a very special episode today. Uh, it's going to be all about Star Wars Rebels, uh, specifically the fourth season and beyond. So why don't uh, you guys introduce yourself, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> Moses, you go. You go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Moses. Um college friends with Casey and basically uh, friends with everybody who loves Star Wars. So let's discuss. <laughs> and uh, I'm Ruben and uh, we're just, we're all connected uh, via the internet and the force. So I, I think we can agree with all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So just for you guys, some perspective, Chris is in California, right? Moses well, let's is put in. It, we are in like the four corners almost of like the United States. Actually yeah. we are. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So, yeah, Chris is in California. Moses is in Portland. Ruben's down in Florida. And I'm in upstate New York. So Nice. The power. It's the world. I'm actually going to be in upstate New York uh, in September. Where? Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to be in Buffalo for a day. And then I'm going to be in Syracuse for a couple of days. So I live literally in between both of those places. So you guys know. Yeah. All right. Well, off air, we'll figure that shit out. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, All right. So season four just wrapped up. Um, We're recording this on the 8th. It wrapped up earlier in this week. And it was crazy, honestly. Um, Star Wars Rebels, for me personally, has been kind of a roller coaster ride. Like when it's good, it's amazing. And then puffer pigs happen, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is on Disney XD. But for the most part, season four has been high the entire time. I mean, they they banged through two episodes at a time. How many episodes were there? Twelve this season? I think it's 14, isn't it? Well, technically 16, 16 episodes. But then they wrapped up, like, the last three all together. So, you know, it went really, really fast. Um, obviously, but you know, it's, it is the best season. What do you guys think? I'll, I'll agree. Um, I do like, I think it was it season two or season three with, uh, where it ended with, um, Ahsoka Vader, you know, in the, in the temple. Two. Two. That was two. But that was probably my favorite season. I mean, it definitely picked up here and it was good, but I loved the episodes where they kind of dwelled more on the force and we learned more about that. And like we had this in this season, we had that on and off. We had it, you know, when it talked about Kanan and and Ezra and then we had the rebellion war part. I mean, that's what made this season awesome as well. But I just remember everything peaking with just seeing Ahsoka and Vader, man, that, that just did it for me. Yeah, I, I agree with with that. Um, there's definitely, like, the episode with Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? Like, that's a high point. Seeing even the clones come back for the first time, seeing Ahsoka come back. Like, I guess because of those other epi- or seasons, sorry, or, like, 24 episodes, and this one wasn't as long, every episode had more weight, especially since they didn't drag it out. They put them two at a time. So I guess consistent see wise i think it's the best season but you're absolutely right all those darth maul episodes are great you know what i mean like those are just great evil episodes so 
I, I see where you're coming from. I, I agree with Moses on the fact that, you know, Filoni did a wonderful job tying the two animated series together. Uh, so he did a lot of, you know, kind of just like closing off, tie, like tying off, you know, loose ends in some parts, opening up pathways for new stories. Um, and just, you know, especially with the way he ended season four uh, with the Mortis gods and having them be such a, like a heavy thing there. It just, um, it was a really, it was, it was really nice to see those two series kind of just um, go hand in hand. Uh, but, you know, we always talk about how if you make a series shorter and more concise, it's going to, it's going to really give you what you want. And that's, and that's how I kind of feel how, you know, the final, the fourth season is without any filler, without anything else, just affecting, you know, dragging you away from the main story. It just episode after episode, it was just bombarding you with, uh, you know, great, great, uh, great storylines. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree because Filoni, I mean, to me right now, um, you know, I, I used to say that, or I still say that, I think that one of the people who I admire in the Star Wars universe uh, uh, creatively was a, is, is Timothy Zahn. I, I always felt like he's got a great pulse on those characters, even more so than, than George Lucas at times. And Filoni, to me, I think has taken that, those reins. And I think that if, if anybody is poised or in line to kind of rule the kingdom when, you know, uh, uh, when it comes to stories and where these franchises from, from, from cinema to, to streaming, to, to animated, to live action, uh, it's gotta be him. All roads have to go through him, you know, um, whether they are right now or not. And he's just playing kind of in the animated uh, sandbox and he's kind of picking and choosing, or people are coming to him to pick and choose what they, what they take from, from his stories. Um, I don't know the the current role, but I think really he should be sitting in on every single uh, story meeting and story idea because he this season has been probably and we're going to touch on this when we start hitting on topics. But in terms of in terms of like importance to canon, like I mean, I put this up there with the original trilogy. This has given us so much information. Has deepen the lore of star wars and the force in a way that i don't think really even the force awakens or the last jedi has been able to do as much as i i, I do like those movies and uh, and do you know love them actually we're gonna have a whole other podcast that's devoted to kind of canon honestly like because i know at least for the group here we do read you know some of the comics and the books in, in the cartoons, obviously. Um, and I couldn't agree with your sentiments more, Ruben, about Dave Filoni. So I, I don't want to get too into it right now. I think we'll, we'll all come back and revisit another podcast. It's just what's the deal with Canon um, <laughs> like, and, and where that goes, because, you know, I, I think that this series, like you said, kind of proves, um, you know, what, what these outside of the saga things can do, the weight that they really can have. Because I love Rogue One, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The story doesn't perpetuate anything that happened to me in the rest of the, the world. Right. It, Even though it's know, a great movie. Right. But it's funny you mention that now because within this scope of, of Rebels, 
it means a lot because they were able to capitalize on this first standalone Star Wars film, and they were able to throw Hera and the Ghost and Chopper into it. And really, Rebels does more than Rogue One to the right. rest of the world. Yes, yes. But but we're also looking at the fact that they put these characters into the movie. <laughs> you know, that's that's unprecedented. Well, yeah, and we'll, you know, we're going to save that to the end, like, you know, what what does this do to canon and what can it do for canon? But um, let's get into our first topic. So we got introduced to Ezra um, as a Jedi, uh, essentially. You know, he grew up as just a Force user and kind of became a Jedi throughout the course of the show. And really, with what he did opening up the world between worlds and in that you know, in the Jedi temple and his even significance with the, the loath wolves. Um, what do you, what do you guys think about Ezra Bridger and in his impact? I actually, I actually wrote down my, my thought on, on <laughs> Ezra Bridger because I felt like if I started, if I start just talking about him, I'm just going to ramble. So I, <laughs> I'm just going to read. Okay. Wrote, um, as corny as that may be. I'm, but, no, I'm glad you did homework. Um, I think, uh, I, you know, what I put down was uh, at the beginning of the season, I still had um, these thoughts and feelings uh, about Ezra in, in terms of which way he could go. Um, they, there was a lot of anger in him. Uh, I felt like he had lost a lot. Um, and I thought it would be, you know, with with the way that he leaned on Maul, um, I'm going off script here, but the way he leaned on, on Maul for a bit, it really threw me off about his character. It really made me question um, his morality. Um, but after that season finished and the way that it ended and, and, and how he took um, not being able to save or, or leave the temple with Ahsoka, how hard he took it, um, you know, it, it, it made me feel like maybe this kid is, is, is not incapable of understanding the power that he has inside of him, you know, and how easily that could be manipulated. So as the season progressed and the stakes uh, only got higher in season four, um, I feel like he, I feel, I feel like a proud dad, almost like watching him mature uh, right in front of our eyes. And, and then after losing Kanan, it's almost like, I know he was in pain, but it was so Jedi of him to just, go ahead and take the role of commander, you know, and, and just put together the plan that he did and even hold some of the pieces of that plan close to his chest and not letting anybody know what, what they were. So I just, you know, watching him jump over the, you know, that gap uh, towards Rook and, 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 and those, and those stormtroopers and having him force push the stormtroopers and, you know, force push that bomb that Rook. I, I had a moment where I was like, it, you know, Luke Skywalker couldn't do any of this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, a, you know, like I, I felt like I felt like Ezra really like can stand shoulder to shoulder with like an, like with the Obi Wan's and the Qui Gon's. Like I, he really he really came into his own, and and I hold him up there. I put him up there, man. Like I I really do. As far as canon Jedi go, Ezra really to me. I mean, I. I, I just can't say enough good things about the character and, and, and the and the love that they poured into making sure that he had a full arc and you know a full just just his own person, you know. Well said. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I just want to add on to uh, the fact that we've never, you know, as we see the progression of what Jedi and, and the Force means in this new Star Wars canon, uh, we see these this this new shape of a Jedi who can uh, can you know talk with nature, talk with animals, and you know and and recognize and have them recognize the Force within him, so they can communicate. And that's something new that uh, and you know as Disney as it may be, it's also it's also really beautiful thing if you can do that across you know universes with all these different animals and stuff like that. So um, yeah, exploration of new Force powers. I mean, the to me, I've always had this argument that Luke Skywalker has never been a Jedi until he proclaims himself as one in Return of the Jedi. But he isn't a real Jedi. We don't ever really see what a Jedi is throughout those three movies in the original saga. Um, and we see one kid who goes from picking up power converters on Tashi Station to becoming this Jedi, and then we see... Darth Vader and, and the Emperor, and like that's it. So what we know about force powers is nothing, is insignificant to the power of the dark side. You know what I mean? So, you know, when people want to fight about, oh, well, oh, the Emperor can't shoot flames out of his hands, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, I didn't write the holocron. I don't know what happens, you know, and maybe we will in these new, you know, TV shows and movies, and we'll get more into that. But like, you know, like you just said, the idea of what a Jedi is or isn't is, you know, obviously fleshed out a lot more in the prequels. Um, and to me, in the prequels, they're assholes who, like, shouldn't be commanding armies, and yet they're given this responsibility to do so. But they really aren't generals. They don't need to be doing this kind of stuff. They're supposed to be defenders of the galaxy. Um, but I think Filoni and through the Clone Wars and through Rebels has said, this is what a Jedi is, and it's a very gray path that some of these guys are going to walk on. I, I, and speaking of Jedi, I mean, we, when you start this show off, you just, oh, how do these Jedi exist during this time period and nobody knew about it? Or, you know, it, it always kind of threw you off kind of thinking in that, in that scale. But when you really think about it, it this was very isolated to Lethal. Yeah, they left the planet they had some adventures, but a lot of time it's just isolated to this part of the world. So um, it's it's funny to to kind of get behind the idea that there were Jedi running around uh, outside of Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker's adventures to become a Jedi. Right. Okay. I think I mean, there's a lot. Like I don't know, man. When I grew up with these movies, it wasn't oh, what class of Jedi or. What there was no titles to their classes, no titles to the amount of powers and specific powers. They just did things with their mind, and I, it was just it wasn't until later where it was like, oh, that's called this power, and that's called this power, and that's called that power. And there's Jedi Knights and Jedi Masters. It was a lot more open, which made it more relatable too. You know, the the idea that you can kind of like everything is connected in a way, and I think. In fact, Ryan Johnson or whatever, like one of his comments he made about how like Leia pulled herself back in The Last Jedi, his his reply was like, well, she has the force. I don't get what the problem is. It's like, why does it have to be which power did she use? 
Um, and so there was, I think, you know, when you're, you're building a Jedi now and a character and that's what Filoni did an awesome job about, like not making it feel like that. Um, they were taking all this consideration. Oh, what can they do? What can they not do? What's their title and all that. And that happens a lot with the prequels. And now with these, it's not about that anymore. It's just like, it's not about, Oh, you know, lift rocks and move things. You know I mean? That's the whole quote from the movie that they kind of represented. And so him introducing like this, like spiritual collect connection with animals and stuff. I mean, it was a full circle for Ezra. That was his first kind of strong power. His connection with that, what was it, like a cat or something? Yeah, the thought That was like the big, where like he almost got to the dark side. Like he was introduced to the force right there. And and now it came back to like him and Adam whales coming in from space. And it was amazing. Obviously, we see that. I feel like, you know, that's going to be across the board, even with the, the bird, you know, force birds or whatever on the, on the island in, in The Last Jedi and wasn't there like a mention of that didn't i mean you had the they just put a lot more animals i guess overall in it and and whatnot um and they're just bringing that connection and and star wars rebels and ezra's story is kind of solidifying that across the board yeah i mean just to clarify so there's the force owls like those are force owls and then the porgs are just like penguins basically that are on that island they just kind of made representations of those things they're not connected to the force at all oh okay so the force owls is, is what the force owl that the mortis like that is a thing yeah yeah um all right so let's go to our blind swordsman um kanan and uh you know i think all of us at least for me speculated that there was going to be a, a breakdown between Ezra and Kanan and they were going to fight and Ezra was going to kill him and he was going to go to the dark side. And clearly it didn't happen. Um, but what did we think of Callum doom? Um, who's in one of the best star Wars comics that I've read, <laughs> uh, the, the Kanan prequel comics. But, uh, what did you guys think? If I, I, I think we should just bring to mention the fact that rebels and, uh, a new dawn, were really what launched new canon, right? Yes. Um, so we're looking at, uh, you know, Kill Doom, uh, you know, and um, canon and hair on the cover of that may uh, that book, and then translating that, from, you know, from that novel being the origin, and then moving to the cartoon. You know, to- two totally different genre, I guess, age group jumps. But yeah. you know, it's 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 cool that we've come this far um, and this is really what started it off. Yeah, I would, I, I gotta agree. I, like in, in terms of, of all of that, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, the jumping off point again, you know, a lot of people uh, when the last Jedi came out, a lot of people dismiss the fact that, you know, or they, they claim the fact that there was no connective tissue to anything outside of, you know, whatever Ryan Johnson wanted to do in the last Jedi, which I thought was ridiculous, a ridiculous statement, but you know, to come back around it, it, it really, the fact that they're able to look at the original trilogy, look at the prequels, look at clone wars as a whole, and then sit back and, and say, okay, how do we, how do we reinforce 
the, the original foundation. Like, how do we, how do we make this stronger? Uh, and they, and, and they do it by telling us great stories. And they did that with new dawn. They do that with rebels uh, and they do it with great characters, including Kanan. Kanan for me from day one, I mean, the minute he was introduced, the minute he comes on and he, him and him and Ezra have like that exchange and Ezra takes off and he says, I can't recall exactly what he says, but it's just one of those Jedi things. He just says something very Jedi ish. And I'm just like, it, it just felt like home. It felt like, like what I grew up with, with what I loved. And it, and, and it felt like a Jedi. He almost felt like a, like, like Qui-Gon when you first see him on, on camera, uh, in the prequels, it, 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 you feel comfortable with him because it, it feels like Obi-Wan. It feels like, like I said, like home. Um, so for me, when Kanan starts to push on Ezra and, and, and try to develop him and, and Maul comes into the picture, that was probably my favorite of, of all of Kanan's stuff mm-hmm. throughout the series. The, the back and forth between him and Maul, the, the kind of tug of war that they had with Ezra. Um, and then, of course, Kanan coming out on top um, and, uh, and then his, his sacrifice. I mean, that, I haven't cried at a cartoon in a very long time and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a uh, man enough to admit, or I am man <laughs> enough to admit that, uh, that watching him die or sacrifice himself uh, for, for his team, that, that, that shit made me cry, dude. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, it, it hurt, it hurt because it was, it was somebody who I'd grown accustomed to it. Somebody just like Ezra that, I, that, uh, that I was learning from because, uh, I tell people all the time, man. Uh, Star Wars is, is is my religion, dude. Like, I, I think that on a morality bar, like, if you really pay attention to the stories, it, it really teaches great lessons. And and Rebels doesn't fall, not even a, a half a step behind of 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 any of the stuff that I hold near and dear to my heart when it comes to Star Wars. So, so Kanan is is a worthy addition, and and I hope that that there's just more stories that they can mine from his earlier life to tell us because. We all know how we all know he went out on top. I just, you know, I'd like to know even more about how he got there. So, so Kanan to me is is definitely important. I mean, I I don't know if they're going to do any more Kanan. <laughs> they got comic and that book and the show. I think his stories are done, but I wouldn't mind seeing more because I do love that character. <laughs> yeah. Are the comics still going out or did that storyline end? It ended and it sucked that it ended. Because oh. <laughs> it really was. It was better than um, the regular Star Wars ongoing at the time. And you at, know, the moment. at that moment, yes. Yeah. And the same thing with uh, Darth Vader is very high up there, though. Darth Vader is a fucking great comic. The first, who wrote the first one, Chris? Kieran Gillen. Yeah, Kieran Gillen. Yeah, ridiculous. But how can you how can you not with with Darth Vader? You know, like <laughs> like I mean, you just you can have so much fun with that character. And you know, I wrote that today on Facebook. I said I'm going to write for Star Wars. I don't know what franchise yet. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And. Uh, and when I do, I mean, you can give me. You, you could probably just give me Chopper and K two S O, and I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a blast. <laughs> was, yeah, greatest team up movie ever. Right. Um, Moses, anything to say about Kanan? No, I mean he lit like I was always a fan of Obi Wan, like from the originals to the prequels. But I think like 
Kanan took that spot, there was something because you saw a lot of growth in him too. He went from being an like a a Jedi in hiding to like a full on master, full on master, and it was it was you saw that growth in him. And um, I remember like texting with Chris like right after I, I finally caught up. It's just like you didn't feel that sadness even with Luke at the end of Jedi that you felt here. Obviously, like one was supposed to be peaceful and his was a sacrifice. But the way they did it, like you could tell it was coming from the beginning of the episode, the way he was yeah. talking to everybody and stuff. You're just like – and honestly, threw me by surprise because I was like, okay, it's coming. Obviously, they have to tie into episode four. But I'm, I was expecting later in the season. And then it just happens. I was like <laughs> – but yeah, he's it was he's like probably the most impressive uh, Jedi and Star Wars character overall, in, in my opinion as well. It's yeah, I um making me thinking. Well, I was thinking of you. <laughs> I was thinking of Ruben too. But like when you see his eyes come back, I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was watching it. I I, I watched it in, in my room and like you know I. I have two roommates, so I, I keep my door open. So just in case, you know, we're talking back and forth or whatever. But that episode was playing, and 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 like and like Moses said, um, there wasn't there. They 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 did not play coy at all. They they let you know right from the beginning that he was going to go. So just go ahead and and prepare yourself. And you know, sometimes the shows do that with characters, and then they you know they'll, they'll pull the, the bait and switch. But when like my heart dropped when he ran out onto the top of that dome. Mm-hmm. And that fuel, fuel, uh, that fuel dome, and he was alone for a moment, and he was just looking out, and I was like, I just felt it. And then you know they they, they show that 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 ATST uh, walking towards it. You know they cut to that, and then uh, Governor they cut to Governor Price, who again, we I know we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, and but but she wasn't on the list, and and I have to say just real quick, she's. She's probably I know they make a fool out of her at the end of it, but towards like throughout the season, like when she's introduced to, to that moment right there when she kills Kanan, um, she's she's a scary Star Wars villain. Like she's she's she really has no soul, no heart. She she definitely defines the Empire. But but yeah, I you know, watching you know, that 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 whole scene just uh it it was it was gut wrenching, dude. And and when it happened I, I screamed out, and my boys, all my both of my boys, came running into the room, and, and they were like, "Rewind it!" And I was like, "I don't want to watch it again right now." So, so. Mm, yeah, King's good. Um, so we we already touched upon this. Uh, we didn't really go into these guys too much, but so creatures in the franchise overall have um, taken a more matter of importance, and specifically this season. Uh, Dave Filoni loves his wolves, and we got the Lethal wolves. Um, what did you guys think about the inclusion of these, and you know their own connection to the Force in some, well, in a lot of ways, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I do need to mention that that scene where the wolves come in and just wreck shit up is was unexpected in the first place, and it's very violent. <laughs> I was just like. And it just keeps going. And you're just like, holy shit. This is like, it was pretty amazing, to be honest, um, on the whole grand scheme of things. Because, like, he's standing there in the cave, and they show up behind him, like, their eyes open and stuff. So that's a really cool thing. And then they just go ape shit or wolf shit. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, 
<clears throat> it's cool because they they do tie in Kanan with the wolf, um, which you know they were hinting at, you know, for a few episodes and just kind of uh, foreshadowing his death and whatnot. But and his, that whole connection, but the wolves on on that were just, you know, it's it it just shows that in every like you know we bitch about the little the horse things in the last Jedi, but you know across the board. This, the creatures of Star Wars is what you know is one of those things that makes Star Wars Star Wars. So it's, I think it's it was a very important you know addition to this show, but it also had a much deeper um, you know overall arc to the entire uh, thing, especially with you know tying with Ezra and his power. Yeah, I, I, I you know you gotta you gotta think about what we know you know like Moses said or 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 or, or, uh, or you know or Casey said when. You know, when we first watched the original trilogy, you know, there was Yoda and there was there was there was Luke and Obi Wan and, and Darth and, and the Emperor, and that was it. That that that's that's where it ended. I mean, like the the budget was probably so like there were no creatures. There were like real life. There was like boa constrictors on Dagobah. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no there were no there was nothing extra. I think there's like one really bad like stop motion like winged bat or something like that that like flies across the swamp at one point but even you know there's 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 nothing like that in the original trilogy and and um and even in the prequels you know um there's there's a little bit you know we see the the underwater like in, in jar jar binks's you know homeworld or whatever um things like that but but i think again filoni just dig like he's a miner dude like he just digs deep and like he like digs into the like the, the morsels of like original dialogue and when you when we learn about the force in the original trilogies, what does Yoda say? Yoda say, or Obi Wan says it's the force that binds every living creature, everything. So I think Filoni, you know, he he goes and says, okay, well, if the force wielder can can connect to a, a, a wolf or or any animal, uh, can he or she influence it? You know, so it, it makes you think. Like Ezra's Ezra's a, a good person to in his core. What if somebody like Maul or or even the Emperor got his hands on like the Lothal wolves? What kind of what kind of influence uh, in the Force would he have on those on those creatures? And it, and then it also begs the question: If there are creatures that are good, like the Lothal wolves, are there creatures that are bad that 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 strictly look towards the dark side of the Force for connection? Um, so I think it's 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 integral, you know, to to everything that is Star Wars because. They said that the, the force itself is is a power that binds everything together. So, why wouldn't there be a connection between you know force users and and animals? You know, I did take that a little differently when I saw it. To me, I mean, those wolves make everybody, all these Jedi characters, like seem nothing. I I feel like these wolves are ancient. They're protecting that specific temple for what it was. And they used Ezra. They were just like, here's someone who's strong, who maybe hmm. like someone who understands what's going on here. And it, you know, it wasn't until the end where Ezra was like finally connecting and, and understanding that. But I mean, it was kind of like backtracking to what was it? Season one, the big boar bear looking force thing with, with Kanan, the Bendu, the Bendu. Yeah. Like even there, it was just like, there's these, there's these creatures and who just like, they've seen, even from before Knights of the Old Republic, they've been around and seen this all, and they're just like, we're not getting involved until they're forced to get involved. Um, but, you know, I feel like if they do, they're doing it because of some, you know, some important force 
related subject. And in this case, obviously it was that temple or whatnot, um, but the whales coming, I mean, it was definitely related to, um, to that temple. I mean, it, it just kind of opens up a whole new, these things have been there longer than any character or story has ever been portraying. And I mean, wasn't a Bindu like supposedly a God, he even said it, didn't he? Like I'm a force God or whatnot. I don't know if he called himself a force God. I, I just know, you know, he is, he's a lot older and has been around a lot longer than, than any of them. Um, and, and again, that, that, that's another, that's another term and another character that uh, needs to be touched upon and, and grown because we, we really don't know any, because at this point is Ahsoka a Bendu, you know, like it, it, it comes to the point where, where, where you start to ask yourself, you know, what, we, we, that, uh, what Moses was talking about, um, the classifications of, of these force, you know, pockets of people who use it. You got the Sith, you have the Jedi, you've got, uh, you've got the Bendu, um, you know, and now on the other end of the spectrum, you've got these animals like the like the, like the wolves and the and the force owls um, who are integrally connected to you know some may be like the the, the thaw cats and and maybe even to some extent I think the porgs even uh, even, the even if, yeah even if they're the crystal fox even if they're not completely force sensitive they 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 they're drawn to that energy in some way um, so. so you know, it's, it's all, I just, I just, again, go back to the, to, to the thought of where, where does it end and, and can it please not? Because it just, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> I mean, I think it's one of those things where, again, and we'll have other podcasts kind of devoted to this topic, but it's like these uh, other pieces of canon are what's building this franchise out more than the movies are in, in to the, you know, to the filmmakers, like they can't, they have two and a half hours. They, they can't do it. They don't have 16 hours of storytelling to do it. You know what I mean? To introduce a Bendu in the last Jedi would be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what does this have to do with every, you know what I mean? Like they just can't do it. So I get it. I get why we get to see these things in Rebels and everything else, but it's like, clearly, if the Force is what's binding everything together, and I think there is a balance act, right? There is something that says, okay, those whales are going to show up because the tipping point of the Force would be the fall blows up and everyone dies, or we come in and we take out some of these integral parts, they'll prevent it. You know what I mean? Like, they keep everything in balance within within the world. Right. So um, it, it's, it's curious, you know, how they, how they use the animals. And I think for us, like as humans, like we have animals as pets and they have many characteristics that are human, which we would swear, like maybe my aunt got reincarnated in my cat because she looks up every time I call her, you know what I mean? And right. like to that point, like when you go into like a, a forced cat or a lethal wolf, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have those human type characteristics and, they are connected to the force in some way. And to Moses's point, they're ancient. We don't know what they've seen. They clearly know how to open up a Jedi temple <laughs> into a world between worlds. We don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, right. Ezra didn't know how to do that. And they guided him uh, on that, on that path to yet again, bring balance to the force. Cause that's right. what it, it is throughout all of it. 
I kind of that I was really uh, loving that kind of part of the story. I, I'm a fan of like Princess Mononoke and just giving these animals, yeah, almost like a spiritual, uh, more important entity because of like they probably understand the Force itself, or at least some of the bigger ones. Um, more so than you know all the quote unquote humans and aliens and that that are the characters. I mean, not all of them, but th- that's point things are so vast there's going to be things that have no connection things have minute connection things that gather around there there's going to be spots in a cave that are strong of the dark side there's going to be i mean it's open it's that's that's there there is no titles for it it's open and anything that can really happen can probably happen all right this is a bigger discussion all right let's go ahead Let's go to Sabine and the Mandalorians because that got wrapped up in, I don't know, two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought that was going to be, uh, I thought that, that that was going to be a larger story arc than what it was, but, but for, for what it was, um, I thought it was important. Um, it, it dug deep into it, it, well, as deep as it could, uh, into Sabine's backstory, um, you know, it, we saw the fractured family. We, we saw them come back together. Uh, we, we learned the fact that she built this unspeakable weapon that could work against her own people. Um, and, and, we, and, we, and we saw the pain and regret that it, that it caused her and, and, and what, what led her to, you know, kind of create this new family that, that really didn't know those secrets and really didn't know that about her. Um, so I, I, I thought that she was a great addition to that team. Um, you know, I said this when, when the, I posted this on the finale, that that team really embodies everything that Star Wars is about. And Sabine, you know, for, for all the love that Mandalorians get in terms of like Jango Fett and Boba Fett in particular, um, I think she's the most fleshed out Mandalorian that we've ever been able to, to have, to see. So I think that she deserves the top spot when it comes to Mandalorians. Like, so, and, and again, in the finale, <clears throat> She's a boss. I mean, like, she takes off to the sky and she drops, I don't know how many flying stormtroopers, I don't know how many gunships. Um, you know, she's on the ground blasting away. She's she's co-leader. I mean, you know, there's a moment in time where she takes over and she, she starts talking about the plan, about what they're going to do, and she catches herself and she looks at Hera and says, if that's okay with you, and that just goes to show you the kind of person that, that, that Sabine is, that she is more than willing to be you know, the, the, the leader, but she knows when to defer and she knows when to lean on people. Um, and again, we talk about growth, somebody who is ready to just jump into the fray at any given moment um, and blow something up. She learns restraint and she learns how to, how to, how to, how to, you know, do what she needs to do to be a, a, a an integral part of the team and, and, and the rebellion. So I, I really think that, that, that again, we, we're just getting treats from this show, dude. Like, you know all the things that we love. Oh, you lo- you love Star you lo- you love Star Wars because of the Jedi. Okay, here are two badass Jedi for you to look, like you know fall in love with and follow. Oh, you love Mandalorians and their armor and their lore and how they're all kind of clammed up and how does their hierarchy work? Here you go. We've got a Mandalorian for you. Oh, you love the creatures and aliens. Oh, well, here's Zeb. You know, and here you know, and it's you know, you love droids. Here's Chopper, brilliant. You know, like so. I think it's just treat after treat. You know, and and, and it's like uh, I, I can't help but feel like a kid in Christmas, man, because it's like you just open up Star Wars Rebels and 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 really like 
if you're a Star Wars fan, I, I can't see, like you said, like there are moments throughout the seasons and see in the series, except for this season where you get things like puffer pigs and, and filler episodes. And you're just like, all right, Disney, you know, stop trying to sell me toys. But, but at the, but overall, it's just such a worthy addition, dude. And, and Sabine definitely gives us that, you know, Sabine is definitely a worthy addition to the Mandalorians. Chris. All right. First off, I thought that they would bring in the Death Star and blow all those Mandalorians up because what makes no sense to me is the existence of Mandalorians in their army. And we don't see them at all during the rest of the civil war. So <clears throat> as much of a like a, a mystery that the whole Mandalorian thing has, has been for years, you know, we get it in you know Knights of the Republic. We have Django and Boba Fett wearing Mandalorian, you know, armor and, and, and getting people excited about that kind of stuff. But when I think about it the, on the long range, like the, the long range scale is like, where were these, these guys when you really needed them? And I guess that really, it, we're going to kind of, you know, bring the rest of these characters into that discussion as well. But it just seems like such a weird grand thing to do. And then there's no more mention of them at all. Like, I forgot how that ended. Did they end up saying they're going to break away from Empire, the Empire's control? Or were they, they were kind of still going to be working for them? They, they're breaking away from the Empire's control, but I do agree with Chris's point. And I guess that's something, you know, we'll touch upon when we get to, like, the end of, of this podcast and, like, where are they going? But, yeah, like, where the fuck did Sabine and those Mandalores go? Like, why would they not fight in this <laughs> war? It could have been, like, yeah. an easy fix by not writing it out where they, you know, if, if they can, if the control for some reason had continued being, yeah, you know, we're going to be for the Empire, we don't want to, like, then that's where they were. You know what I mean? It, it's an easy fix to be like, they were kind of off to the side because they had already given in to the Empire. And, you know, you could still change up stories later, but yeah, like like both of you guys said, I mean, the fact that they left it open like that just did it injustice when they could have, you know, given you an unhappy ending, but at least fits into canon a lot better. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have to ask that question because, again, uh, Sabine, her monologue at the end, you know, she, she states that Hera fought at the Battle of Endor and and she's been on Lothal. Like, so did she just stop fighting and, and, and did she just stay on Lothal? Did she never go back? Uh, you know, so it's, it's interesting. And I think, again, I don't think anything is done without a purpose anymore. So, you know, the fact that they've got three shows, I think, lined up right now for, for that streaming service, that, that, that Disney streaming service that's coming out next year. Um, you know, I think that there's no, you know, there's, 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 there's no, there's no, there, there's a there's a method to their madness. So, yeah, I, I think we will learn more because Mandalorians, I mean, they're they're a huge part of Star Wars. So, and I think, and, and it's a piece of Star Wars that really, again, has no, you know, other than expanded, you know, the the EU, which is not canon anymore. You know, no matter how much that may hurt some fans, um, we really don't have anything in the new canon that. That, that that tells us about the Mandalorians. So 
So, and that's not a dig at anybody. You know, it's just, it's, it's true. You know, we're Star Wars fans. We, you know, that there's a lot of upset yeah. people about the EU, but again, something that, that the new canon and that Rebels and, and, and Filoni and, and, and the story team are aware of. And, you know, they bring in Thrawn, who to me, I think, is probably one of the brightest spots of the EU. Because, again, there are some, some great stories out there, but not, not all of them were great. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. Well, I guess let's, let's leave it like this, the Mandalorian thing. Filoni did a fantastic job of wrapping up all the loose ends of Clone Wars and Rebels. And even if he ends up taking over a live action show, he's going to absolutely still be the head of animation and he will tie up these loose ends. We have to trust him because really he's the only one that George Lucas directly dealt with and Mm -hmm. he hasn't failed us. Right. Honestly. So to your point, Ruben, he probably will wrap it up in some other thing, but you know, you have to ask these questions because it's star Wars and everything's speculation until you see it on screen. (laughs) And we don't have podcasts and read these books or whatever without wanting that speculation to continue. But um, hopefully they'll fill in those blanks. Yeah. Where's that dark saber? Yep. 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 They did do a good job of bringing a lot into Canon with what was it in the the Force Awakens, like at Maz's place, they had all those flags, so it automatically brings all that into the exist into Canon's existence. Kind of. <laughs> See in, in a flag. You know, I need I need sources on that. No. <laughs> uh, Ruben talked about Thrawn coming in um, from the Timothy Zahn novels, the trilogy. Um, and, you know, integral part of, of rebels, you know, after they decided to throw the inquisitors through the fucking wayside for some reason, (laughs) um, we got Thrawn, which I'm, I'm happy with, (laughs) but you know, it really bothered me. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about Thrawn, but it did bother me when I, I don't know why I didn't think about it at the time, but how the inquisitors all look like the dark sun on the mortis side of things. And then I watched it and I was like, why the fuck did they get rid of the Inquisitors? Isn't that like a whole thing that you could mine that could have happened throughout the rest of this series? Like, I love Thrawn. I absolutely do. And we're going to talk about him. But I'm just like, why did you get rid of him? Why did you introduce it, the concept, and then get rid of it? Yeah, I, I thought that that was curious too. Um, but again, I don't I don't think anything is done without without a reason. And um and Thrawn, I think, you know, the, 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 the inclusion of Thrawn casts a large shadow and it brings in the detractors that, that were like, oh, you guys did away with my favorite characters of the EU. And so it, it brought those in. And, and the Inquisitors, again, something that can be, can be touched upon in other things. Um, there's, a, there's a term that Ryan Johnson uses uh, uh, in, in, in the art book. Uh, called the the jet the that that Luke is has a Luke has a uh, a token or or maybe it, it I, I don't even know it might be a kyber crystal from from a Jedi Crusader so you know I, I think about those things and I think about you know Darth was bu- busy being Darth and he knew that there was kind of you know the Empire and even him had a lot of enemies so 
you know, chasing after and hunting rogue Jedi for for force wielders, uh, dark side force wielders like uh, Inquisitors, I, I think it, it, it became a non uh, a non priority. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the only reason I, re- I believe that is because we see how busy the emperor is um, in these books. Uh, you know, in the aftermath books, we, we, we hear about him being on Jakku digging. You know, we see him on Lothal. Uh, he has forces in Lothal digging up uh, temples. So to me, I think at, at one point, Vader was just like, you know what? Forget hunting the Jedi. I just want you to I, I want you guys to go out and hunt and, and do away with just the, the mere mention of them, the, 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 the existence, anything you know, a picture, a book, a, a scribe, a storyteller, I want it gone, you know? And, and I think that that's, that's something that, that, that can be expanded upon when it comes to, to, to the Inquisitors. What, you know, other than the Jedi, who else were they hunting? You know, we know that, we know that, um, that there were forced churches, you know, the, 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 the village that Poe is at, that was a, a village of, of, uh, of the forced church, you know? So it's, it, it, we know that, that Luke is with, uh, his, my name is, his name is blanking right now, but, um, the old man that, uh, that Luke sees, Lord Senteca. Uh, uh, Lord Senteca. uh, we know that Luke, you know, went around with him, uh, looking for Jedi artifacts. So again, like, you know, did these inquisitors all did all they do was hunt Jedi? I, I don't know. I, I think that they they probably had another purpose as well. It's important to remember the fact that in the EU, the Emperor had Mara Jade as the hand. So I mean, we're looking at similar roles here, except you have more of them. Um, but here's the thing: it's when we look at villains and other things like, like say, like the Flash TV show. Like, oh, here's another Speed Force villain, blah, blah, blah. We're getting bored with it. Well, you know, it's hard to come up with an Imperial that anybody gives a shit about um, instead of, say, a Sith Lord or whatever, you know, Dark Force user or some kind of epic badass villain. Um, how do you build, you know, the perfect the perfect leader um, that that the fans even side with because they they – they get behind how awesome he is. And that was Thrawn. That was Thrawn from the beginning, even in the original Zahn trilogy. I mean, I remember reading that as a kid and, and how much it really impacted me because I love Star Wars so much. And then I saw this world that was to be after Star Wars. And, you know, after that, we had 20 plus years of EU. And, you know, it's significant also to say, yes, Thrawn was brought in from um, one of those ones uh, was brought over from Legends, but so was so were the Inquisitors. I mean, Inquisitors go back. Um, the mere mention of them is is a long time ago as well. I forget even what that came from. Maybe like RPG or whatever. But you know, all that stuff was canon by Lucas. So um, it's cool to see these things kind of weave in. But yes, bringing in Thrawn kind of at at season three split the series. And all of a sudden, you have this new uh, this new villain that everybody loves, and we, all Star Wars fan can can get behind. Yeah, I you know Thrawn. Um, it just made it like you said, it made a divide into the show. It was very much on the arc of a Jedi versus Sith show, almost in a way, because um, you got Darth Maul coming back and everything like that. And then once you got Thrawn in there, it became more of what the name is, which is Rebels, which is 
the spark of the rebellion in a way, um, which again, they didn't really contribute to the rebellion other than Hera. <laughs> can I say, can I say something real quick? Because I feel like they're a little salty because they kept mentioning like, well, the rebellion doesn't want to come here to Laflo to help us. So, you know, we're on our own. So it's kind of like, are we really going to go help those fuckers? Because no, you know, they're like, let's just stay in Lothal for the next twelve years or however long it takes. You know, Harry's like, I, you know, I'm all about this, so I'm going to go because I'm exp- I'm a general. The rest of them are like, you know, run. This is our planet now. So. <laughs> yeah, like Zeb, Zeb and Callus dipped. Like they were <laughs> yeah. just like, all right, we're we're done. And and Harold was like, okay, well. I'm pregnant and about to have have a baby, so I think I'm gonna go fight a war. Yeah. <laughs> and Sabine was just like, "All right, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and stay here on the fall because uh, I like my it. planet. Yeah, Not even I, where I, I'm from. You know, Ezra left it to me. You know, I, I I really don't have anything else to do. I mean, you have a whole family of Mandalorians, but sure, right. Go ahead. He's counting. Um, he's counting on her. Yeah. She doesn't know for what yet, though. But, 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 yeah. No, I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, <laughs> Thrawn just caught cast a big shadow. I think, and I think that that's why. Uh, for any, I mean, story purpose wise, if I was sitting in that writers' room and they said, "Hey, guys, we're going to bring in Thrawn," I'd be like, I, I would totally understand any any doing away with anything else that has yes. to do with yes. force with, with with Inquisitors, because Thrawn is just the ultimate villain, and like. Even, um, like, the way he goes in the books compared to the way they send him off in this show, um, it, it, it's, almost, it's almost like a, like a, like a mirror version of, of, of what happens to, to him, you know? Like, uh, even though Filoni says he's, he's, he says he's alive, so I, that's, that's a big deal to me. So I wonder, okay, so if Thrawn's alive, what's the deal? You know, like, w- w- what's up with him? Um, and, and in the time that, that, that we haven't seen him. Um, and, and really he just, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but, uh, in, in the episode where, where he meets the Bendu, the Bendu tells him that he sees his death and that it's like, uh, and he's like, what do you see? And he says, I see a, it's like a million cold arms, uh, or a million arms embracing you in a cold touch. And and again, that that final scene that we get to see him, he's being wrapped in those tentacles, and Ezra's kind of force turning him so that he can look forward, and it's just it, it again, like it's just wonderful storytelling. Like they really do not, uh, they they don't disappoint. They they deliver, and, and and if you're paying attention and you're connecting the dots, it's even that much more gratifying. So like, uh, I think Timothy Zahn should really like. He should be like having a cigar and like some some champagne right now because he he really gave Star Wars its its greatest villain since Darth Vader, I think. Well, we have another Zan book coming out where he's teamed up with Vader, at least on the cover this summer. So it'll be exciting to see what he does with the character, which I'm sure is all pre Rebels. Um, I would imagine. Isn't there a prequel comic book coming out about him? I, I thought I saw something with him. Like there's like, he had long hair or something like it's that. The novel, it's the comic book of the novel that came out by Timothy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, Moses, you getting Thrawn talk? 
Well, no, I, I had, I mean, knew of him from Legends, but I never had read any books or comics with him in it. So this was my first introduction to him. Um, I kind of had an idea of what kind of character he was just from having heard of him. But I mean, they definitely made him impressive. And I also, I, I agree with Ruben. Um, like they had to make that decision because if you keep the the inquisitors around then you're like where the hell are the inquisitors in episode four five six etc but you keep a general around then he's just another general you know what i mean like he he's not that standout in the in the lightsaber kind of thing where you're going to question like why aren't they bringing the inquisitors to take down obi-wan versus you know what i mean a general who's just probably ruling a portion of the galaxy or whatever he might have been doing during uh the original kind of timeline. Well, now he's in hyperspace, so who the hell knows where he is? Yeah, <laughs> but, um, that's a question for the end of this. Uh, all right, so the last few episodes, and here and there throughout the series, we got the Emperor, um, voiced by Sam Witwer originally, and then Ian McDermott came back to voice him in these last few. Um, we got to see, you know, we talked about it, we got to see him do a little bit more than we've seen the emperor do outside of some of the books. He was clearly digging for these, for these Jedi temples. So what did we think about the emperor's inclusion and, you know, the, the world between worlds that he uh, was searching for? I just, I want to talk about that, the acolyte guy that was at the temple. Um, yeah. Cause we see those jobbers in return of the Jedi. And we're like, who are these guys? And it's kind of never, you know, those kind of side characters that if you Minister Varys Hayden. Right. That guy. He died, though. So he has nothing to do with Return of the Jedi. Um, but uh, in terms of the Emperor, I mean, he's, the, you know, he's the Taskmaster. He's, he's doing a lot of cool stuff, uh, especially if he's trying to, he knows about this world in between worlds. Um, and so instead of just you know being the governor and being the emperor, you know he's doing his little dark magic thing here in the corner, um, where he's able to somehow use um, and is explaining to Rebels Recon how he's able to use Ezra's entry into this into this temple for him to also gain en- entrance to the world between worlds. Um, and you know I think it's very important because he's he is probably the most powerful being in the galaxy, and. What is he? What is he doing during this time? We see, and I love to see him intermingled between the books and then the comics, and then now Rebels and and whatnot, because he is a hugely you know important character when it comes down to you know this time period of Star Wars. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, any more uh, if we can get more Emperor, I think is 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 key because you know you look you look at the original trilogy and uh, what he's on camera between all three movies, what. 20 minutes maybe. Um, And, uh, and he's, he's integral. I mean, he's, you know, and then in the prequels uh, to be able to, to see the way that he manipulated not only Anakin, but, but the entire Jedi council. I mean, there were Sith artifacts inside his office and the Jedi, how many times were the Jedi's in there and they didn't even know it. That's how blind they were. So (laughs) you gotta, you gotta love the emperor uh, and his, 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 you know, bravado, um, he's, uh, and, and the inclusion of him in rebels, uh, I thought was, was, was key. It was, it was necessary because, you know, y- you had to, 
you had to assume that there was a part of him that really wanted Ezra Bridger, you know, because he saw just, you know, what what Ezra could be. And 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 we kind of get that confirmation when he when he try to get when he tries to give Ezra what he wants, um, almost again mirroring, uh, you know, deceiving Anakin and telling him, "Hey, together we can we can save Padme." You know, we can. All you got to do is go inside this temple and kill a bunch of younglings. You know, we, but after that, we're we're totally gonna save Padme. <laughs> um, but with Ezra, I think he learned. You know, like he like like he didn't. The fact that he uses an old hologram of himself um, and, and and doesn't choose to approach Ezra in the cloak and deformed and angry, uh, he chooses to 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 approach him as Senator Palpatine. Um, I think is is was 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 a chess game with him. Um, and if Ezra would have given in, that would have been his first step towards the dark side in terms of like making those cho- those selfish, not selfless but selfish choices. Um, and uh, and then again, when Ezra goes the other route, he he go, he reverts back to who he is, and we see him, um, you know, in the in, in the cloak and, and covered. And uh, the Patreon, the, I, the, I always mess up this word, Patreon or Patreon guards. Um, again, uh, different, different, almost the Last Jedi type of style compare uh, as opposed to what we saw in four five oh six. yeah they weren't like the normal imperial red guards they're right like they what were are those guards in the last jedi yeah they're like pa- they're called patriotic or patreon guards or something like that i can never pronounce the word um but but yeah like that style you know they they brought that style for the last jedi and in, and in return and in empire when we see them kind of flanking the emperor they were kind of like those long helmets those long cloaks they didn't look like they could fight um so um and they were using um, they were using weapons that I think we've seen before. Where where uh, uh, what is it the the Jedi's that were guarding the the temples, the the mask that that um, that Thrawn had on his desk. Oh uh, yeah, the court, the Jedi uh, temple guards. That's what they are. Yeah. Right. The, you're talking about the Praetorian guards. I had to look it up. Oh okay. Praetorian. Yeah. Th- those guys like their their style. You know that 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 visual look that they had in the Last Jedi is the one that, that they used here, which yeah. I thought was weird. It was weird to me, but again, I enjoyed the scene and I loved it. It didn't really throw me off that much, but but I was just, oh, that was an interesting choice. I thought maybe they'd come in more, a little bit more cloaked. Have you have you ever read Crimson Empire, the comic series? Uh, no. So that that's what that reminded me a lot of. Uh, so what but that story... Crimson Empire is more slim. It's not even... I, I, understand, I understand that, but that's what, that's what that brings... To mind to me is like yeah yeah. You, yeah the royal guards were like sometimes look like this but other times you know yeah maybe there are different levels of them so that's that's what that image really brought to my mind yeah that's true it's just um you know the show introduced new vehicles and new stormtroopers and everything you know like we see such a microcosm in the original trilogy of what this empire is and how much technology that they have and everything else. So, you know, who knows, <laughs> but it was cool. It was, it was cool to see those types of guards. Um, and the emperor in general, uh, any other thoughts on the emperor? Yeah, I was, uh, I was going to say that the, 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 just his overall far reach the way, like, again, you know, we, we, we read about it in, in the aftermath series, um, you know, when they jump back into that time, 
um, you know, that the emperor was on Jakku digging. We see him on Lothal. We see him being able to use Ezra's entrance into the world between worlds to, to tap into that and his influence. I mean, you know, he was, he was basically going to burn Ezra to death, you know, with, with that blue flame. So, I mean, even then, you know, even not being where Ezra is presently, he still has an effect. So, you know, just, just giving us more emperor, I think is important. I think, again, that's a character that I don't necessarily need like a, like a solo treatment on him, but, but more, you know, maybe a comic book like Vader's uh, that, 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 that tells the story of his earlier life. Um, And again, you know, uh, if, if Plagueis was his master, can we get that story? I mean, I know we have Darth Plagueis in terms of the EU, but there's nothing right now that's actual canon that says this is how, you know, uh, Emperor Palpatine becomes, you know, Darth Sidious. So I think that that's a character that definitely deserves a little bit more more digging into. So, uh, you know, just as much as I want to hear about Jedis and and, and, and their, their rise and, and Rey's story and what what happened with you know between all that time and where's Ezra? Uh, I definitely I love I love the Star Wars villains. I do, and I think that that the Emperor is definitely one of those that again was so underplayed in the original trilogy. But we knew his importance because of you know kind of the power structure between him and Vader. We knew he was the guy holding Vader's leash, um, but we didn't know why he had that honor. You know, and the prequels they they give us a little bit more. Um, and, and Rebels has definitely shown us why uh, I think he has he holds that leash because the dude is the dude is strong man the dude is strong and and uh, and I loved him in these la- in these last episodes I thought he was dark and sinister. Damn right. In terms of canon, if you haven't read Lords of the Sith, do yourself a favor. <laughs> oh, that's 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 a uh, that's the next book I'm reading. Um, I'm reading Princess Leia right now. But uh, but my girl just picked up that that book for me, so I'm definitely gonna read that. Princess, the okay, yeah, Princess Leia, not Bloodline. Not Bloodline. Okay, yeah. both are good. Um, both oh, are Claudia Gray. Anything Claudia Gray's done so far, but yeah, Lords of the Sith is basically a nonstop thrill ride. <laughs> like it is insanity. Like I remember reading it and just being like, I want to see this. I don't want to read this. I just want to see this shit happen. <laughs> And it's got a great tie into to Clone Wars and Rebels with you know Cham Sandola. So I think that's cool. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, and then kind of like our last last talking point of this this section, um, we got the Mortis gods, right? So just real quick, they were in Clone Wars. Um, there was an arc um, where the father, the daughter, and the son. The father was trying to get Anakin to replace him. Um, being that Anakin was the chosen one, Anakin shit in his face and said, no, I'm out of here. And then they showed up again here in this last episode of Rebels um, and opened up that, well, not the last episode, but they opened up the the world between the worlds. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, uh, Filoni, you know, just, you know, just being who he is and the relationship that he has with, with George, um, I, I think that that's just like him respecting, uh, for lack of a better term, his father. When it comes to to the father son and daughter relationship, um, you know, you've got you've got George, you've got Filoni, and you've got Kathleen Kennedy. You know, and and they're kind of like the Mortis gods of of the, the Lucasfilm you know <laughs> franchise right now. Um, so I think that 
that their inclusion was was needed because we talked about this uh, in our chat uh, on Facebook. Like that that those few episodes are so funky. They're so weird. They've got George Lucas written all over them. Um, just you know, in terms of ideas and stories and things like that. Um, and I thought, you know, a lot of what like when the cave is opening and it's whispering and they're talking about the beginning and we we are the path and and this and that. Um, I think again, it's just reinforcing the foundation. Where does the force come from? Who created the force? You know. So again, the Mortis gods are something that we get a little bit of in Clone Wars. We're getting a little taste here, um, but overall, you know, are the are they like the guardians of the wills? Is that is that what we're going to learn? Like, are they part of of the wills and 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 and, and what we hear in Rogue One uh, about how these you know these these, these guardians were were were, were we're taking care and protecting these ancient scripts is do the, do the mortis gods have anything to do with that? So, so again, just more little treats and gems that, that they're mining and giving us uh, so that we can sit here and speculate. And then, you know, a couple, you know, months from down the line, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll bless us with another series and we'll learn even more. Um, so, but I thought it was interesting that, 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 that was what Ezra faced just kind of like Anakin, you know, Anakin had to see them in real life and Ezra had to interact with them through this gate and connect with them through the force so that it could open. So, so again, just showing the importance of kind of bookmarking uh, in time in the, in this timeline, the importance of who these Jedi are and the role that they're playing at the time uh, of where the balance is in the force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Um, I it's it's kind of hard to say like what those guys are gonna do because um, I personally feel and you know I don't mean to get like too religious or anything like that but I don't feel like a god would be like mm, write down my stories you know what I mean I think like that's like the guardians of the wills are the people who are force users who decide to take those scripts that somebody else wrote a long time ago. Those gods existed on their own plane of force. You know, that that's a world. Mortis is a is a plane of existence. And only a force user can get to that plane of existence. Um, so, it, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how they pop up again. I think those guys would be really great to see just even a painting in a movie. You know what I mean? And like, we'll know us who know canon will be like, Oh my God. You know, like if we saw that in Luke's little, you know, cove there would have been cool. But, um, you know, what is Ezra's power level to be able to, to see these guys to, to manipulate them? Do you have any ideas like Moses? Like, what do you think? Um, again, I, I don't think there's like boundaries to it. And I feel like, his personal connection um, just happens to be strong. You know, I, I, I think we need to break away from thinking, oh, Anakin and the Skywalkers are the most powerful characters. I think that was a mistake by adding the midichlorians 20,000 or whatever the F he said. <laughs> like you do that and then you're just like qualifying when it, you know, the Skywalkers can be important in the whole storyline for who they are and maybe their choices and, and their destiny. It has, it doesn't necessarily mean because some guy's more badass with the force. I mean, at least that's how I saw it. Um, and so there's always going to be important characters along with everything. 
But I also think, I mean, I love the Mortis episodes in, in the in the Clone Wars. They came out of nowhere, and I was like, my, it was my biggest disappointment that I was like, I, this is the best thing ever, and that was it. <laughs> um, but the the way they were brought into here and the way they're bringing all these animals, to me, just gives me a different – it, it makes me think of, like, Greek and Roman mythology of how, like – the gods argued with their parents, the Titans, and then the humans and what's his name wanted to give fire and they chained him up. And there's all this interaction between gods and humans. And it's almost like there's this, like the humans are doing, you know, or the, the, the stories, the characters we learn about are kind of doing their thing. And the closer they get to the force, the closer they get to this stronger power. And every now and then you need like, whether it be the animals or the mortis gods or whoever, who seem to be like on the top of, the tier step in and guide things a certain way because obviously if Palpatine got a hold of that temple, that would not be good. And that's where they have to step in. They're like, this kid has it. He has what we need. This is who we're going to use for this to happen. And suddenly the whales, the wolves, everything is just part of that story to make. It's almost like they're the writers of, of, of the story and they're kind of guiding things the way they need to be. And the Jedi are kind of the conduits. They, it's, it's, that's why they're being used. Um, and I, I don't know. It just makes the story so much more epic in my, in, you know, in, in my mind. Yeah, in terms of power level, I mean, I can't think. You know, again, I, I, I agree with Moses. I think that the the worst thing that happened to Star Wars was was midi chlorians. Um, in, <laughs> in my book, you know, some people might say it was Jar Jar Binks, but I think it's. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> midichlorians, because it um, uh, it demystifies the force. You know, it, it, it all of a sudden makes it some sort of scientific situation. Um, and and I don't think that that's what what it originally was supposed to be. And I think I think the only reason Lucas did it was because it was the it was it was the way storytelling was uh, was going uh, was going was going was going that in, in terms of, you know, movies and stuff like that but but yeah um you know it's uh ezra i think like ray um you know we need to get away from the old thinking the, the like moses said the the, the the you know the chosen one and the luke skywalker bloodline yeah they're important and they're powerful but the force also chooses you know other jedi and the force also also uses other conduits and i think you know like ray ezra's one of those yeah i mean it's a um it's hard when you say the chosen one, you know what I mean? Like, so clearly that has something to do with the overall uh, experience of the force, I guess, for lack of a better term, but there's other, there's other Jedi, there's other force users that, you know, there's Mas Kanadas, there's uh Chirits, you know what I mean? Like there, there's all, there's kids with brooms, like anybody is a force user that can be a force user. And, you know, we didn't need an explanation of where the younglings came from, who their parents were. They were just fucking little Jedi. You know what I mean? Like they were just little force users that got put on the path of a Jedi. That's it. It's just that Anakin was so powerful. And I think now they're kind of trying to get rid of that idea and just level the playing field. And I'm sure when we see these other TV shows and movies, there's going to be other force users with, strong or you know what i mean like uh who's the guy who's in the force unleashed games i mean he's taken down star destroyers Luke yeah, wasn't doing that yeah star killer like he's he's clearly more powerful than luke skywalker <laughs> um but 
and that was a George Lucas. Yes, that's true. That can happen. I do think that we like. I try not to judge the original movies for their lack of superpowers. Like, if oh yeah, of movies were to come out today, of course they would have the characters do some crazy stuff. And I, I almost sometimes reflect on the movies like comic books. You're gonna have different artists that are gonna draw them different. The story, you know, a battle between Obi Wan and Vader was a fight. You know, like the how what moves they use and what powers isn't what was mattered that's that's going to be interpretive to whoever tells the story i mean if you're reading it it's not telling you obi-wan swung in a 360 no it's saying that they're fighting and your mind is building that the way it is and so yeah they did what they had what they could with the technology they had for the movies then and by the way it was fantastic for its time it was mind-blowing yeah and they're doing what they can now and 10 years from now when there's going to be movies, I mean, who knows? I mean, we might be watching hologram movies. I mean, whatever the, the medium is or how it's told, whatever we can do with effects, it's going to be a lot crazier. And you can't go back and go, well, well, why didn't Ray 10 years ago not be able to do that? And so it's, it's, it's just cool to be able to see that, you know, those, those powers and, and all these things are, are evolving with the medium it's being to- told in. Yeah, and, and 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 you know, just to echo that, I think that George at, at times did want to do different things. Like you know, that battle between him and him and him and Vader when he's trying to put him in in the carbonite. When when Luke jumps out of the that that chamber, he jumps really fast, and it's almost similar to how when Obi Wan and Qui Gon kind of like run off yeah. down the know. hallway in the beginning. Right. So I think there there were times they just couldn't get it right all the time. It just didn't look right all the time. So, you know, why put something in it that's going to hinder it? So, yeah, that one shot looked good and it gave us a, a, a and it gave us a small peek into hey, these guys can move a little faster than everybody else if they want to, you know. Um so so again, yeah, they they were limited and they were hindered by their time and and I don't as well. I don't I I love the original trilogy with all my heart with all of its flaws because there it it has a ton. If we're going to sit here and, and be film critics, the movie would never hold up. It would look like a it would look like a slice of Swiss cheese, and yeah. it's not. And, and that's not a, a, a knock on it. It's just it's just the truth. And again, you can do that with any movie, really. Um, but you know, you we, we 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 look at this through the eyes of nostalgia and through and through just you know overall love of something that we've held on to since very early in our in our in our lives. Um, but the fact that they're able to right now rebuild and reinforce the foundation um i think i think is 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 is, is really key and uh, and it's only gonna like like moses said it's only gonna get crazier because one minute you know princess leia is pushing herself through space and 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 and, and saving herself from dying and and you know 10 years from now you know somebody's gonna rip a, a star destroyer in half and bring it down you know crashing down on a planet so it's it's just bound to happen give it one year yeah, or something like that. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. We're going to see it happen in a TV show. Um, all right. Well, this is a good spot uh, to take a break. Hey, Tower Lights. We are so excited talking about Rebels that instead of a commercial, we're actually just going to go to a second episode coming out in a couple days. All that Rebels recapping just couldn't be contained in one episode. So stick to don'tforgetatowel.com for your updates or check your podcast app. 